0: Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so glad you joined us today. The Chinese have an old saying, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> we certainly are living in interesting times. And I think today is going to be a very important podcast for you, uh, for everyone who listens. So, let's think about what we're all going through. I'm recording this on the first Sunday in April 2020, so you know um, everything that's going on right now in our world and how we're having to deal with so many things. So, we're talking today about Wargaming Earth's future. The RAND Corporation has a $357 million budget, and the Rand Corporation analyzes the future. But they've been wrong, at least a few times, and they've had to issue revised analyses. The Bible has been analyzing the future for over 7,000 years. The Bible, it's never been wrong. The Bible reveals that the earth is not a Disneyland. It is a battlefield, And you know, with what we're going through with the Wuhan virus, it's slowly dawning on people with the shortages, the deadly unseen enemy, the lockdowns, the fear, and the death, that this might not be a Disneyland. Well, it's not. The Bible reveals clearly that this is a spiritual battlefield upon which we live. Wargaming the Earth's Future. Globalists like former British Prime Minister Gordon Brown are calling right now, as in last week, for one world government to deal with the Wuhan virus. The Bilderbergers, oh no, Pastor Ed, don't get on that that conspiracy theory stuff. Hey, listen up. Uh, you do some homework and you'll find out that the Bilderbergers are an actual organization they're very secretive but they they are comprised by world leaders from around the world it's a real organization of world leaders who salivate about and agitate for global government this is why president trump prime minister benjamin netanyahu in israel and prime minister boris johnson in Britain are viscerally hated by the other leaders of the world. They are patriotic nationalists who are not playing ball and supporting the goals and the designs of the internationalists who crave global government in the core of their souls as the salvation of the earth when actually it will be the destruction of mankind. Jesus made a a great observation. It's probably really not a right way to say it. Jesus told us what would happen. He predicted what would happen just before his return. In the Gospel of Luke 21, verse 26, I'm going to read it for you, Luke 21, 26, one of the things Jesus said when he was talking about future prophecy, is this verse. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That phrase, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. that there's a lot in that i think there are going to be things that men see literally coming upon the earth which will create this fear but i think it is also safe to say that it is psychological and spiritual as they survey the wreckage of this human world like like we're seeing people's retirements disappear within a matter of a few days or a month due to the Wuhan virus. We're seeing people who had secure jobs, the jobs are gone, and they some of those jobs, many of them will probably never be back. Now, as people see the wreckage the world has become almost instantly overnight, there's great fear and Jesus predicted this This would be the, the atmosphere leading up to his coming and right before his coming. Now, you know what the globalists say. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, let's do some war gaming. And I apologize if you hear some noise in the background due to the Wuhan virus. I'm not in the place where I normally record this, so... You may hear people in the background over whom I have no control. So let's do some wargaming. What if? Let's play the what if game. Number one, what if the Wuhan virus is the tripwire for global government? What I mean by that in our, our Wargaming Earth's future is what if this is such a wonderful opportunity for the globalists because people are crying out peace and safety, longing for that, you know, the good old days. And the globalists are able in the future, near future, to convince the world to give up their their national governments and cede control and sovereignty to a global government to solve this pandemic and all the other problems the world has. What if the Wuhan virus is the tripwire for global government? But, you know, it might not be. Personally, I think that under the leadership of President Trump and with the the can-do spirit and attitude of Americans, which is legendary for coming up, uh, you know, we're down for the count, but we get back up and win the match, like in boxing, Our country is legendary for that, and I think it's very possible. I feel that it's probable that our country will, will right itself. We will conquer this thing. We will get past it, and it will be hard. But I believe our country and our economy will be rebuilt, and that will happen for the world as well. Because as America goes, so goes the world. So the Wuhan virus might not be the tripwire, like the final thing that happens that, that uh, causes the world to lurch right into world government. What if the Wuhan virus is a trial run for global government? The thing that's interesting to me is even if, even if America recovers and leads the world in recovery, which we pray that will happen. Let's, we're not, I'm not happy about this. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm just saying it is what it is, so what does it mean? What are the potentialities of it? What if the Wuhan virus is a trial run for global government? That is, it, it is uh, maybe one in a series of just cataclysmic events that pushes the world rather quickly, uh, maybe over the next few years, to global government. Now, I don't know. I don't know which it is. Is it a tripwire? Is it a trial run? Is it going? I'll tell you this. It should be extremely instructive for those who want global government to notice how easily everyone has gone into lockdown and fear, uh, virtually cowering in corners, looking to government to solve the problem. If I was a globalist, and I'm not, if I was, I would think this is extremely insightful, extremely helpful to observe how easy it is to herd the human race. Well, you know, it... There must be a global government first in order for the Antichrist to arise and be given power. Now, it's interesting to me, and I'm going to give you some homework. Do not accept what I'm saying at face value. Do some homework and check it out. And for those of you out there, yeah, I see you. You, sir. You ma'am, you the smart alec teenager, the ones that are saying this guy's a nut job, he's a crackpot. All right, I got some homework for you. You go check it out. And when you do, you're going to you're going to realize, wow, this is he didn't make this up. This is out there. It sure is. Here's what I want you to check out. Do some research on the United Nations Agenda 2030, and the more you learn about that, the more concerned you will become. It is a world without freedom. It's controlled by global government. The resistors, I think this will be the impact of it, the resistors to this agenda for 2030 will be marginalized. They will be socially frozen out. And I think the real resistors will be, quote, disappeared, end quote. That's a term used in communist countries like communist China. The doctor who blew the whistle on the Wuhan virus has been disappeared. Uh, Some of the journalists who did the same thing have been disappeared. I think the, the doctor who actually started blowing the whistle passed away, but those that were reporting on his work have been disappeared. Well, where are they? Well, I would guess they're in a prison camp to be re-educated, or they've simply been dispatched permanently, if you understand. United Nations Agenda 2030. Here's another one for you to do some homework on. ID 2020. The goal of the ID 2020 project is to give every person in the world a digital identity. Isn't that wonderful? You know, so they can do social media and all of that. Hey, I don't know what the people doing it think it's for, but this is what it's going to ultimately end up being for, okay? Maybe their motives are as right as rain, but this is how it's actually going to work out. Every person in the world at some point will be able to be tracked and controlled, every person on earth. And the goal of the ID2020 Digital Identity Project is to use an injected microchip into the people in the world who do not yet have a digital identity. I am not making this up. Go do your homework. Now, the Bible predicts a one world government and a global government. It's just got to have a global leader, right? Well, that would be the Antichrist, the beast of Revelation 13. He will be this global leader. Now, he will arise apparently from within this global government. There is coming a final human government on earth which will be the global Christ-rejecting government which Christ demolishes at his return, the second coming of Christ. He will destroy this world government and set up an everlasting kingdom which will have no end. Okay, now... I want all of you to put on your big boy and big girl pants now. You're about to hear more Bible in 15 minutes than most of you have heard this entire year so far. We're going to go first to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 27, and I believe we're reading to the end of the chapter here. Now, let me... Quickly, I want you to read the whole chapter on your own, but I want you to quickly set this up. Daniel is a captive Jewish person living in Babylon. He is serving the king, Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar has been given a dream uh, by God which has troubled him. Nobody can interpret it, so he's ordered everybody that is a useless advisor is to be executed. That would include Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But anyway, we're not going to read all of that. So Daniel's brought in and he begins to deconstruct and explain the dream that the king had. So this is Daniel chapter 2, 27. I'm not going to explain it all. We're just going to read through this. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what shall be in the latter days." Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have, More than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces Together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Uh, let's see. And whereas thou... So as iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. All right, so we read that, and and I know that's a lot of Bible, but we're going to read more. Go to Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 28. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And by the way, that represents Babylon. That was actually the symbol of Babylon. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. Well, this was uh, Persia, modern-day Iran. Verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. This was the Greeks under Alexander the Great, whose kingdom at his death was split into four parts. I I just added that commentary. Back to verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So this represented Rome originally. Rome, that empire, is never actually... Died. It's still present to some degree in the European governments and uh, some of the governments around the Mediterranean in the world now. But uh, I'm just adding commentary here. It is going to revive in a final world government. So read in verse 8. I consider the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So that's the final world government under the Antichrist in verse 8. All right, verse 9, let's see what happens to that final human global government. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him thousands, thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him the judgment was set and the books were opened i beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake all right i've lost my place here so hang on let me find it i apologize uh let's see here I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. Now, this is the Antichrist who's blaspheming here. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. So he's speaking now to an angel. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. So if you're wondering what everything we just read meant, here's what it means for sure. Verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. of course, by the way, remember that every king has a kingdom, right? So these are not only the four kings, but their kingdoms like Babylon, Persia, Greece under Alexander the Great, and the Roman Empire. And if you know world history, you know that's exactly the order in which they came and conquered uh, the next one. These great beasts, verse 17, these great beasts, are, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So there is a future for Israel. It's right there. But the saints of the Most High, that would be Israel. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse, That is, it it was different, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth, "...that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn..." Now, this is the Antichrist, okay? "...I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came..." That's God the Father... Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. (laughs) Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth. Now, that would be Rome, okay? And remember, though, that Rome has never actually gone out of existence. But it looks like it, Pastor Ed, You'd be wrong. It's still here, uh, like in our legal system and so forth, in our governmental system. It's still here, but it's on life support. It's going to rise again. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down. And the ten horns, let's see, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces, verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And by the way, did you know that the world has already been divided into ten economic zones like the north american zone south american zone and so on that's a fact did you know that and the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them and he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue 3 kings so how does how does this beast this antichrist this Uh, little horn here, come to power? Well, he apparently takes out three of the kings or kingdoms that are ruling in this uh, ten-kingdom confederacy, let's say. It's hard to explain this, but you see what I'm saying. Verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, that is, against God, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. So he will persecute especially the nation Israel or anyone that believes in God and the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times, and the dividing of time. Now, I don't have time to explain that, but there's a reason why I'm saying what I'm saying biblically. That's three and a half years. So this Antichrist, although he is a global leader for seven years, he he definitely goes into overdrive in the last half of the tribulation period that Jesus Christ himself called the great tribulation of the tribulation period. The last three and a half years, the last 1260 days, the last 42 months. And you'll see those time phrases given in the book of Daniel. Verse 26, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So Israel and believers in Christ are going to be given this kingdom, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, let's let's go to one other place here, and that's going to be Daniel 9, verses 21 to 27. Daniel 9, 21 to 27. Now, this is specifically about the revived Roman Empire and the Antichrist who will lead that. The final world government, a global government that is against God, against Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, against anyone who believes the truth and believes in Christ Christ. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, now this this is the angel Gabriel, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So, Gabriel said, as soon as you started praying and fasting, which I believe was 21 days prior, God told me to come and tell you what this vision means. Uh, what, what, the, what the future of the world holds is what he's talking about. So let's read that again in verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, For thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Now remember, before we read this, Daniel is Jewish. He is of the nation Israel. God is not finished with the Jewish people. He is not done with Israel. And they will go through, uh, as well as as anyone, even non-Jewish people who believe in God, will all be persecuted during the tribulation period. But the Jewish people, Israel, is going to go through what is called in the Bible the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay? Jacob's trouble. Israel's uh, uh, talked about, referred to right here. Now, there's... Hang with me as we read through this. There are weeks of years, heptads. So if you think of every day of the week, each day represents a year. Okay, so if, if it's a week of years, we're talking about um, 490 years. Anyway, you'll see what we're talking about right here, verse 24. Here's what Gabriel, the angel, tells Daniel. God wanted Daniel, and now us, to know this. Seventy weeks, now those are weeks of years, okay? What's 70 times 7? That's 490 years. You get it? Okay. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Well, if Daniel's Jewish, what do you think the holy city would be? That's right, Jerusalem, which America now recognizes as the capital of Israel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. Now, there's a lot in that Sentence that ver- part of that verse. The Jews, at, when Daniel was told to understand this, were in captivity in Babylon, and they would be there uh, seventy years. And this is different from the seventy weeks. Okay, so hang in here. They would be allowed, which is exactly what happened in Bible history and and world history. This really happened. The Jews were allowed, Cyrus allowed them to go back to Israel, to Jerusalem, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the wall, set up the temple, and it was this temple to which the Messiah, the Prince, who would that be? Yeshua, Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Anointed, Jesus the Messiah. It was this very temple that was rebuilt in Jerusalem, in Israel, to which Jesus Christ came. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. And threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. After threescore and two weeks, now how many how many weeks is that? That's sixty-two weeks, right? Sixty-two weeks, and that would be um, four hundred and eighty-three years. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That means killed. But not for himself. That is, Jesus did not die for his sins. He died for our sins, right? After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So Christ comes and presents himself as Messiah in that temple. He is rejected. He dies as the Lamb of God the, that takes away the sin of the world on the cross. And then we see this little phrase, the people of the prince that shall come. In other words, the Antichrist is that prince, and he will be from that Roman empire that never really died, but is going to be revived again as the final world government. I know this is heavy, but God thinks you can handle it because he's telling you about it right here and the people of the prince. So if the prince is part of the Roman Empire that will be revived, then this would be the Romans would be the people of the prince that shall come. Right? You see what that's saying? So so who destroys Jerusalem in the sanctuary? Well, that would be the people of the prince. That would be the Roman Empire originally. Well, guess what? In 70 AD, Titus had Jerusalem raised or or like scraped off the earth to its very foundations, including the temple and the Holy of Holies. Well, that's, um, that's 69 weeks, which is 483 years. Prophetic years have been accounted for. There's one week, though, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, Ed, that's right. This is 69 weeks of years, 483 years. Jesus is crucified, he's buried, he's resurrected. The Jews still don't believe in him. And not too long after that, in 70 A.D., the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and took the whole nation into captivity, all right? Well, here's your 70th week of Daniel in verse 27. And he, who's that? It refers back to the prince that shall come. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for, wait for it, one week. Wow. That's one week of years. So that's seven years. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to happen but there will be a world leader that heads up the what in essence is the revived Roman Empire that will confirm a covenant uh, like a peace treaty with the Jewish people for one week, that is for seven years, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, so how long would that be? If it's What's half of seven? Three and a half, right? So three and a half years in, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So what's going to happen is if he causes the sacrifice, and the worship to cease, there has to be a temple for him to cause that to happen, right? So he enables in some way the Jewish nation to rebuild the temple. Right now in Israel, there is what is called the Temple Mount Institute. They say that they have every single thing ready and prepared that would be required to reinstitute temple worship, and the sacrificial system. All they need now is the temple to be rebuilt. This world leader, who is going to lead this global government, and it'll look pretty good for the first three and a half years, is going to give them cover for that to be done. Then, at that three and a half year point, he is going to set up the image of the beast uh, with the help of the false prophet, in, literally set up the image of the beast in the Holy of Holies in the temple, which will be a massive desecration. And it's going to initiate the immense persecution of the nation Israel, the Jewish people, and anybody else in the world that believes in Jesus Christ and doesn't worship this antichrist because he will set up the image here and require the world to worship him and it will be enforced economically by a mark on the right hand or forehead and if you don't take the mark you're out and you'll be hunted down and dispensed with and these are things i know that some of you have heard about but you've never put it all together well now i'm about to plug it in baby Now we're going to Revelation 13 because this Revelation 13 is going to be the culmination of everything we've read from Daniel. Now listen, I know that your preachers are not preaching and teaching this, most of them. I know that your priest and your holy men, or wherever whatever it is you do in your worship, you're not hearing this anywhere very much. This is the truth from the Bible God wants you to know. And if by some sheer miracle of God you're hearing this after the rapture of the church and the church is gone, you're going to have a roadmap for the future, the war game in the future, is what we're about today. Wargaming Earth's future. You see, the globalists are wargaming the Earth's future for a one-world government that they promise everybody will just be Disneyland. And God says, hey, that global government that is sure to come will be a horrible battlefield. It'll be the most, Jesus said, <clears throat> there would has never been a time like it In world history, and would never be a time like it ever again after it. Especially that that last three and a half years of the seventieth week, when the antichrist is on a rampage to be worshipped. You see, Satan will have indwelt the antichrist by this time, and Satan wants the worship of the entire world. Are you getting it? Verse. 1 of Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So notice here, the same animals that Daniel saw, uh, the leopard, the bear, and the lion, we see those again mentioned right here. And we see that the dragon gives this beast his power. Well, who would the dragon be? That's Satan. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, many attempts have been made to explain this verse. I think the safest one is to say that apparently... It seems like the Antichrist is literally assassinated and rises from the dead, mimicking, faking the resurrection of Christ. Or he's apparently killed, but he recovers. So we don't know all those details, but something happens so that the whole world begins to worship the beast. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. See, there it is. Satan, by indwelling this Antichrist, Satan is now being worshipped. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. See, there's that three and a half years, the forty-two months, the twelve hundred and sixty days, the same time frame that Daniel referred to in, in the book of Daniel. This is the same time frame that Christ alluded to when he spoke of the great tribulation being the most awful time in human history. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. By the way, who would be those that dwell in heaven? Well, angels dwell there, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell in heaven. But guess who else dwells in heaven by this time? The church, the bride of Christ, which has already been raptured and taken out of the world before the wrath of God falls in the tribulation. The church, the bride of Christ, is in heaven. And this makes Satan so angry. Verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Huh, that's the same thing Daniel said, exactly. And it was given unto him, who's that? The Antichrist, the beast, the little horn. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. This Antichrist will persecute Jews and the nation Israel. And as I've said, anyone of any nationality who worships Jesus Christ, he will persecute believers in God. And he will have a global government, and this is going to be awful. Now, watch this next phrase, this you need to know. Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth. In the Greek, it's the idea of the earth dwellers. You see, I live on this planet, but my home is in heaven. Amen? Well, people who don't know Jesus Christ, this is all they've got. They are the earth dwellers. And if they keep rejecting Jesus, they're going to find themselves in a terrible time in world history. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Who? The Antichrist. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Is your name written there? Have you personally trusted Christ? Is there evidence in your life that you are born again, that you belong to Jesus If if that's not true of you, then your name is not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. But I'm going to show you at the end of this long message how you can be numbered among those that will be in heaven. Verse 9 in Revelation 13, If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. In other words, what a contradiction. This second beast coming up out of the earth may well be Jewish, but he will be a a world religious leader. He he looks like he's religious, right? But he's really satanic. You get it? Verse 12, And he exercises all the... Exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You know, Elijah, the prophet, did that. You can go back and read that in the Old Testament. So he appears like some type of Old Testament prophet. I mean, people are just bedazzled by this false prophet. Now, here's the problem. Verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. There's the earth dwellers again who are completely taken in and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Wow. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is six hundred three score and six or as we know now, there is so much in all of that that I'm not, I don't have time to explain. I have spoken on this and other uh, series and episodes of This Week in the Word. and You can scroll through and see several of those, like Future Trends is a great one to listen to. But what I want to stress to you here today is it's almost closing time for the church age, making way for the final government, a global government, and it ain't gonna be pretty. Now, you might be saying right now, well, Pastor Ed, are you worried? Hey, listen, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm waiting for Jesus Christ. The rapture of the church is what I'm looking for, not the revelation of the beast. But know this, all the things that your mom and grandmama and your preacher when you were a kid told you would happen, all the things that Jesus warned us would happen are starting to happen literally it's as I've said recently, I can't see the band, the marching band yet, but I can hear the music. I I don't see the turkey on the table yet, but I can smell what's coming from the kitchen. Can't you? Now you might be saying, "Well, do you mean this Wuhan virus deal is is like it, I don't know, but it may it certainly is a shadow of it." Now, I've got to be honest with you. I never saw a viral pandemic as being part of all this. But man, look at the global effect it's had. So it may well be that we are chronologically very close to the tribulation period, which is preceded, according to the Bible, by the rapture of the church. Now, there's a lot of questions arising in your heart and mind right now if you're not a Christian. Or if you're one of those that kind of says you're a Christian, like sometimes you go to church, like remember when we used to be able to do that? But in your heart, you, you know you're not. Or you have so many doubts you're not sure. Hey, listen. My best counsel is this. Billy Graham said he saw no hope for the world except Jesus Christ. My best counsel today is get saved today if you're not. And if you are saved and you know it, then begin to share the gospel of Christ. In the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, is probably the most famous verse In the Bible, for a lot of people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Get saved today. Well, Pastor Ed, how do I do that? Hey, we're not left to wonder. I'm going to read Romans 10 verses 8 through 13 that tells you how to be saved today. Romans 10, 8 through 13. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen. That's my best counsel to you today. If you need help with this, I'm going to call out a phone number two times, and you can call it during business hours, approximately 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time in the United States, and someone will help you with your questions to become a Christian, or if you are a Christian, to grow in your faith and your witness for jesus christ here's the the number 888-537-8720 888-537-8720 well i'm so glad that you have tuned in today and this has been a long one but you can see now why i took the time to do this you see the globalist of wargaming for Earth's future and it's not going to be good. But God has a kingdom that's coming that will demolish theirs and it will be an everlasting kingdom and it's going to be wonderful. And I want you to be there because you become a Christian by faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. I hope you will share this podcast with many people. Tell others how to find This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. That's d-r-e-d-h-i-l-l dot podbean dot And remember, there's no period after the DR. Thanks for listening. My privilege and pleasure to share the word of God and the word of life with you today. God bless you richly is my prayer. Amen.